Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey. Hi. What's going on, folks? We are here live from the Hockey Buzz Studios in. Some of us. In North Wales. In Montreal. In South Jersey. In Cheektowaga. And in Ann Arbor. And we are in those in those areas abouts. Um, and, uh, yes, we are going to talk today about a game. A hockey game that t- took place last night. Um, between two of relatively famous teams, um, two teams that basically invented the sport of hockey. But um, first, Russ has something to say, and then we're going to move on from there. Russ, what do you have to say about yeah, Quick, Quick baseball point. I saw a graphic yesterday. Even I had been wondering, how are the New York Mets winning so many games when they had 12 to 15 guys on the injured list? They can't hit the ball, but they can pitch. But why is their pitching so good, and how are they actually winning games? And they came out with a graphic yesterday. Back in the day in the 60s, Kevin would probably remember this. Rube Walker was like the Mets pitching coach. And i that's the first pitching coach like I really realized there's a big deal about pitching coaches. And he invented the five-man rotation. That sort of changed the game for a while. Well, it looks like Jeremy Hefner now has, is changing the game, too, because with the two-seam fastball, he has everybody's pitches breaking later than anybody else in the league. So they're breaking late over the plate. And they have a graphic, and it shows that some, in some cases it looks like it's almost two feet, so making the plate shorter. So this could be a reason, Kevin, why you know Manfred's looking to extend the mound. And and the and the issue is, the Mets have the top four pitchers in the league with two seam fastballs and their break. And so you know what? For people who say, yeah, pitching coaches, batting coaches, bench coaches, they don't matter. When when you back it up with with stats and graphs, they do. But well, what you know, the one thing I would want to add about this baseball, and I'm as as we all know, we talk about this all the time. I'm not a big conspiracy theory uh, person, but you know, there's no there's no denying that they've altered the ball a little bit. And I know Mike and Russ, you guys watch a lot of baseball like I do, and I wonder if you've noticed how many foul outs we've seen with the new baseball. How many times? A lot of them. You're right. You've seen more than you usually see. Like so I many guys now, you said it, but you're right. Have fouled out behind, you know, like to the catcher. Um, we've seen a lot of them uh, that with the third baseman coming in and um, you know catching in foul territory. The first baseman. There's been a lot of pop, more pop ups in the infield that I've seen. Definitely been a ton of those. Yeah, so I I, I think the ball really has had an impact. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. And you know what? And you know what? Honestly, I think, and I'm, I'm being slightly facetious here, but uh, I think the New York Yankees should sue Rob Manfred because when you have a team that is aimed towards hitting home runs, and then you change the ball to basically deaden the game and have less home runs, I mean, I think I think that Major League Baseball has a responsibility to the teams to let them know what they're doing before they go out and build these teams in a particular way. You know, if we're going to go back to 1968 and Denny McLean and Bob Gibson, I'm all fine with that because I love pitching. But you know, I, I think that teams that have you know Judge and Stanton and Sanchez and all these home run guys, they're at a disadvantage because there's half of them are hitting under the Mendoza line. So nobody I, feels bad for the Yankees, Mike. Of we course. Not. Just like nobody feels bad. Is that a miniature cons, Mike? <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. Where did you get that at? That's so cool. Isn't that cool or what? That's, um, a, McDonald's, yeah. that's a McDonald's one, right? That's as um, cool as the Leafs will get to this the final this year. I got this, too. Check this yeah. out. I think those are McDonald's ones. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, McDonald's in um, in Canada. Yeah, like that, yeah. How cool is McDonald's in Canada? Like, why know, they get all the good stuff? How do we not want to live in Canada? As I- fun meals or what? Yes, happy meals. I yes. think they didn't come with happy meals. No, no, no you have to buy them on the side, pretty much like the uh, yeah. little hockey sticks with um, yeah, yeah. Tim Hortons this year. Yeah. So they have the hockey sticks too, um, but yeah, the, the, and their new hockey, their hockey stick. Tim Hortons hockey sticks are back right now, right? Because I saw that yeah, advertised yeah. the other day on the CBC. Um, did you did you actually get them at the McDonald's or just buy them on? No, eBay? I got them on eBay um, because they come with a really cool platform and everything like that. And they um, and act 
that, think they're amazing. Like when I was a kid, I would have killed for this. Like this is just like like I, I remember having my rod hockey games, you know, my rod hockey tournaments with the uh, well, based you know, on the sharpness on top, you could have killed somebody with that. that that's, yeah. that's as how much how much were they? Christ. Wasn't much. It was like sixty bucks for the whole set of them on eBay. Um, which I thought was pretty reasonable. There's that there's, there's, calling them happy meals. That's pretty good. There's I think there's five of them all together. Um the others are behind that picture. I'll bring them, I'll show them, I'll show another time. I'll bring them all out. But yeah, they're um there are five of them all together and this, including a little miniature Stanley Cup. So that like and it comes with a platform to to, to put them on too. Yeah. Uh, that mini cup, if you could only bring the mini cup. But the uh that count smith is as close as the Leafs will get to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I mean, they put a maple leaf on the cons, might just to tease you, Mike. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's why, that's why that's there, right? <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, let's start because, my God. All right. Um, the intro. That's what a like great it. intro. That was an excellent intro. Let's <laughs> start because, my God. Hello, Hockey World. It is Thursday. It's June. It's June 1st, 2021. I'm Michael Lagello, and since it's June, the Leafs are obviously not playing. I'm Kevin Nice, and uh, for once, the ads are playing in June. That's <laughs> coming from sports television. Not wrong. I'm, I'm Kevin Allen of Hockey Buzz. <laughs> I'm Eklund. And uh, this is going to be a fun one, I can tell already. Um, we're going to have to keep Karen and Michael from killing each other today. Um, put their boxes on top of each other, Mike. I'm going to uh, rearrange oh, you guys. How am I going to do that? Here we go. All right, hold All right. on. <laughs> I'm gonna put you guys here. I've, I've, I've going down here. Now you guys be nice to each other down there. Oh, yeah, right? oh, I like that. I like it. <laughs> All right, be friendly. Be friendly. Be friendly. All right, but there's all good friends here. You guys are all. You guys work for the same team. You're all hockey buzz people. All right, oh, here we go. Yeah. Okay, so um, what's up? Anything new? Uh, last night uh, <laughs> there was a game. I, that's why I texted Green right after the game. Right, Green. I texted yeah. right, after, right after the. Now, can I ask you a favor? Is it Karen or Kareen? I've got mixed up for this. Uh, well, it's Karen, but you know, you're not French, Karin. so you can pronounce it however you do. As long as like it's Karin? not Karen. Sacro it's not Karen. So, is, is, so you like, is so the way I pronounce it okay in Korean? Yes, yeah, fun. Yeah. Korean, okay, cool. Korean, Korean, more like that, right? Korean, okay, cool. Sorry, I appreciate it. So, um, yeah, so I texted after the game last night, I texted Karen. Karen. <laughs> Sorry, I texted you right away. Let me let me ask. Yeah, could, so could, what's new? That was my text. Just said, what's new? Could, there, you know, just because. Uh, hey, go ahead, Mike. You texted her when they were up to nothing to curse her. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's that's not something you do. That's that's not you know. Well, he did it to me eight years ago. But. I know, but to be fair, to be fair now, okay, a long time hey, ago. I was pulling for you though, Mike. We talked about this yesterday. For you. That's and cursing. last year. This is true. Okay. My, my phone, sorry, my phone's going nuts. Um, last year during the Pittsburgh series with Montreal, I did text Karen in the middle of in the middle of the series, and then they won and, and the Canadians won. So it was, it was perfectly fine. I just, you know, so I'm not always a jinx. All right. I'm not always a jinx in the middle of a game. Um, it, well, not for me anyway, but Mike, to be fair, your leaves don't need jinxing. <laughs> they do it themselves. Sorry. <laughs> 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 one second. So here, um, man, my, my daughter just going nuts on something I got. Okay, we're done. All right. So, um, so last night, um, this is going to be an interesting show because we have obviously, um, Russ, Russ, uh, Kevin and I are here to just keep these two from killing each other. But Mike, no, um, I have nothing against you know, Mike, Mike, Mike is, we, we are, we, it almost happened, almost started before the show even. So Mike, your thoughts on this, just start, start us off. Um, you know, obviously, you're not thrilled about it, but I'm um, just. Uh, well, okay. I mean, I, I'll let me because uh, again, I did a uh, uh, talk show on Twitter Spaces after the game. You know, sort of a catharsis of th two and a half hours of just uh, Leaf fans venting their spleen. And you know, the the thing is, is that I mean, of course, their reaction is this team is gutless. They're a bunch of losers. Um, you know, they're they're pissed off. Um, I think they're pissed off at like everybody, including management, including the coaching staff. You know, Manny Malholtra is responsible responsible for the bad power play. You know, Kyle Dubas is more focused on analytics. You know, the whole the whole. You should blame this all on Manny Malholtra. I'm 100. Nah, yeah, we'll take him for the face off training. Right, but but this is this is I mean, this is the 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 core of it. Um. You know, we cannot ignore that the injury to Tavares and the injury to Muzzin were factors. For no, sure. no doubt. The Leafs, even without their best 
their, their team captain and they're probably their most dependable two-way defenseman were more talented than the Montreal Canadiens. That doesn't mean anything if you're more talented, if you don't, you know, if you don't put that into action, Montreal worked harder. They got, uh, I think Jack Campbell was just as good as Carey Price, but Carey Price was better in the right spots. I do not. Uh, you know, Jack Campbell a lot, but Jack Campbell allowed a crushing goal uh, in the second period to Brendan Gallagher on and uh, on a five hole. And it's it's all it is always when you allow goals at certain points in the game, and that was a crusher overall in the series. I think Jack Campbell was great in Game Six. Was great in three of the four games uh, that the Le the Leafs won three of the first four, but. You know, he didn't come up big in that in that in that part. The whole thing, though, and I'm not I'm not I'm yeah. not dumping all the responsibility on them. But when you have players who are secondary players like Nealander, like Kerfoot, like Spezza, who all step up, that's all fine and good. But the the, the difference between victory and defeat is them stepping up and their core players performing the way they're expected to and. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner did not show up for six of the seven games. And that, especially when you're paying them $11 million a year, is inexcusable. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that, um, I mean, we're going to get Kevin's thought on this for a second because yeah. the, the thought I had here was, first of all, Marner last night looked very, very, very lost. Like that, that that's the most lost I've seen a player. I mean, hit, uh, that you can blame you can blame Campbell. And first of all, just let's say this one thing. My, Price walks into a room, and he's better than anybody else. Okay, it doesn't. He doesn't even have to be on. The, he doesn't have to be on the. In this, in that kind of situation last night, he's playoffs dangerous. Price. Playoffs right, playoff price. Right. In that situation last price. night, playoffs price. <laughs> his presence is more than Campbell can be at all. Like, and, and, and almost anybody can be. And the reality is that 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 presence, like you can say he's not playing at top of his game, he says whatever, but his existence, it's just mere existence back there, is is. Is threatening to anybody, not, and that's not that's not a shot at Toronto. That's not a shot at anybody. If Price is in his zone, in the zone, the second you fall behind on Carey Price by a goal, you're behind by a goal on Carey Price in your head. That's what's going on. You're not just behind by a goal. You're behind by a goal on Carey Price. Well, I and, think and in, that's, in the overtime game, Price definitely got in Marner's head with that with that save that he stretched out at, at the post. But Marner, also think, that goal, that Gallagher goal, that Gallagher goal. Flatly to me goes on Marner and not 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 Campbell. Yes, well, that's what I was going to say. You let me finish. Marner mm -hmm. Marner didn't have good puck security on that, so Stahl knocked it away. Anybody yeah. would have knocked it away. I mean, there's so many active sticks now in the NHL that you carry the puck like that, you're you're, you're susceptible. There was that. Yeah. But there was a play along the wall at like 12 minutes to go in the game where I felt like if Toronto could have gotten the puck, they had a clear shot to the net. And Marner backed off after a little bit of contact. And I was like, you know, I could see this. I, he didn't look good on the bench. I could tell the pressure was getting to him. And at that point, he was disengaging. It was. And this is the one thing I want to say. And you know, then we're like, um, for Kevin, because, and then, then on to Karen and, and then back to Mike. <laughs> so here we go. Um, Kevin and I, you, you and I have had this discussion in many of the Stanley Cup final, Kevin, over the years in our many, many lunches that we've had about the fact that we, Oh, that, that you know, do you blame the team for losing or do you credit the team for winning? Right? This is like yeah. this is the oldest story in the book, right? What right. are your thoughts on this last night? Do you, who do you, where do you, where do you fall on this game last night? Well, I, I do blame the Maple Leafs for losing. I think they had the, the much better team, but you know, as, as always the case in this situation, it's never one thing, it's a combination of factors. Um, but saying that, I, I disagree. Like, we have to blame Marner and, um, Matthews for the lack of offensive production and, and especially in comparison to look, you know, look at Nathan McKinnon and what he's doing for Colorado. Right. You know, you have so many of these stars that are already been eliminated and uh, you know, we've had Matthews and Marner that just didn't do anything what they needed to, to do. Meanwhile, you got Nathan McKinnon with eight goals in five games doing what he's supposed to do as the leader of that team. So number one, I'm going to blame those guys. But that goal that Campbell gave up was, and someone used the word crushing. I don't know if it was Mike. Um, maybe it was. But that was a crushing goal. Yeah. And, you know, I agree with Mike that he played well. But, you, you know, you could just feel the, the uh, team deflate. Like when you're, you know, he had a clear vision of that shot. And that wasn't a sizzling shot. 
No. That was just a normal, regular shot, and it just went right through his legs in the biggest game of Campbell's career. And, mm -hmm. you know, so that's a that's another major factor that you've got to play into it. I think you do have to blame the injuries. Um, you have to b blame the, the Muzzin injury and the Tavares injury for that series. I mean, those are significant players um, that are lost, particularly the leadership aspect of Tavares. But I also think you have to give credit to Montreal for working hard. Yeah. Like, you know, every game I watch them play, they didn't act like a team that expected to lose that series. They acted like a team was expected to win. And I also think that the, the factor of the, the heaviness of the drought, everybody knows in Toronto that they haven't won big games, you know, 17 years without uh, winning a first round. That weighs on you, even if you played no part in what happened in 2004. So sure. I think it was a combination of factors. Um, I would say the most significant in my mind were for the entire series, the lack of offensive production from guys that are supposed to uh, produce. And then the game seven, just horrendous goal that that Campbell gave up. I, I saw that and I thought Montreal's going to win this game. I, I don't think they're going to recover from that. Uh, now, Corinne, um, um, you, Mike has explained why he thinks Mont Toronto lost this game. I want you to make the argument as to why you think Montreal won this game. Or this, well, series, this series in general. I, I'm going to start by saying that I agree with Mike that the goal was deflating. However, the Leafs were ready to be deflated. <laughs> it was just clear as day that as soon as it was not going to go their way, they, they weren't going to come back. It's sad, and well, for you, obviously. But, you know, you, you can't just put it all on your goaltender. And I also... I, I think Toronto has a tendency to, you know, when they do their post-mortem, they just focus on themselves. They don't look around. They're just checking their own body, belly button and being like, oh, Matthews and Marner did nothing. Well, they did nothing, but Price did something. Philip Dano did something. Jake Evans did Jake something. Jake Evans was great. Yeah. Evans was lights out, seriously. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, yes, you can blame the injury, but you also have to give credit to your opponents. I mean... The fact that Matthews and Marner didn't produce in this series doesn't mean that they're rotten players and they, oh my God, they are so bad. I mean, this is the same fan base that always wants to trade William Nylander, who, lo right. and behold, was their best player in the series, points-wise. And, you yeah. know, they so, may, well, they may trade him still. But right, right. So, yeah, but that's the thing. I think, yes, Montreal won, but it was helped by Toronto's lack of confidence. And also, if injuries actually hurt the Leafs, they helped the Canadians, believe it or not. Because Ted Kanyeni came in in the second game after Jake yeah, Evans yeah. went down to injury. Yeah. Cole Caulfield came in in the third game when Lekkonen went down to injury. So yeah. that was like, thank God, the whole fan base was like, yes, we're going to see the That is the, the craziest thing about well, this. It should have been in all, the, all along, yes. and that is the only reason they got in, so it's a great point. It's it's absolutely wonderful. I'm just wondering now yeah. who needs to get uh, Earth so that Romanov gets in the lineup. Know, we'll, get, right? <laughs> we'll get back to that eventually. Like Kulak, but the Kulak point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like Kulak. I like Kulak more than Gustafsson. I'll, I'll say that. But that's the thing with the Habs. They've been lucky because the coach. I'm sorry, he did won the series. He did fairly well. But yesterday, if he didn't play Kulak and Gustafsson a bit more than he did the game before they wouldn't have won that. They would have been so dead because Shea Weber yeah. played 37 minutes in game six, and that was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the guy okay. is slowing down. He, he's yeah. getting older, and that's normal. So you can't, you can't make him play like a first-pairing D, put him on the PK, on the PP, on everything, and just expect that he'll be fine. He's just, you know, he's got some stuff left, left in the tank, but he's older, and they need to realize that. You can't run four Ds. And just expects it's going to work when you've got those particular four Ds. I mean, yeah, I know Chicago did it in 2013, 14. I can't remember, but you know their their decor was like 32 Different. years old, not yeah. 36. <laughs> so also a much better decor that Chicago had then. Um, there's no yeah, way exactly. About it. So I mean, you know, it's worked against the Leafs, fine, but I mean, it the, worked. Just... It worked because the Leafs were you know, ready to be taken down. I think. You know? I see. <laughs> I think that that's the, that is an interesting point because. The the con you cannot the contrast between the least nervousness and Price's calmness 
was drastic. The and nervousness last night was so very visible because Matthews had one chance to send, I think it was Nillander off on a breakaway, and he completely missed that pass. It was well, just you, like, you know what's funny? I do wow. think I do think the Canadians had nervousness in the first period. I do, but I'm gonna tell you no. the two least nervous guys, and sometimes it's good to be young and stupid, were Suzuki and Caulfield. They weren't nervous at all. They were actually trying to make plays when others were playing it safe. And I really they, appreciate yeah, that. that was, it was the most dreadful first period in a game seven that I've seen in a long time because <laughs> it was like two guys, the guys were taking two yeah. strides and it was being, it was stick check, stick check, <laughs> stick check all over the place. It and was. there was no flow. There was no, there was nothing. And uh, I mean, I think that fed into Montreal's success because they, they are a low event team. They want to play low event yeah. games because they don't have, you know, really fantastic offense and they have carry price. So once they get a one goal lead, you know, they can, they can sit on it. And that, that that's, that's really what happened. But I, I have to say, it's like, you know, the, like Kevin was saying, the Leafs were not battling just Montreal. They were battling, the, and I'm just talking about this particular core group. They are 0 for 5 in the playoffs, losing in the first round. They are 0 for 7 in elimination games. They cannot do it, no matter how much talent there is. And Kyle Dubas, the last three years, has in the post in the uh, season-ending media availability, he has owned the responsibility. It's on me. I'm sorry. Like, like I'm the guy. He cannot get away with it this time. The media and the fans are saying they're calling bullshit on this. They're saying, mm. I'm sorry. This core group has proved it for five years in a row that they can't win. You can add the secondary players around them, but it's the core that needs to be changed. And I don't think he can get away with saying, no, we're just going to keep the same. If he keeps the same thing, if he doesn't make any changes and they lose in the first round again, then Shanahan and Dubas will be looking for jobs. That's why something will be changed. I don't know if it's Nylander or Marner, but something will happen this summer. So this welcome, morning. Welcome to Great Tuesday. Yes. So so this morning. Um I get, you know, the wild I have, I have I have all different kinds of rumor people that I listen to, right? And there's some people that are really out there. And there and there and there's some people that I just I listen to them, but I'll never report what they write. Sometimes they're right, but you know, they're they're not they're not I can't I can't verify it with other people. So I kind of stay away from it. I used to write more of those than I do now. Then there's people who I really trust. And then there's people who, you know, are absolutely hundred percent on and I some of the hundred percent on people I can't write, they won't let me write because they'll say, you know, you can't talk about this yet or whatever. I try to avoid those people because I tell them that I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to not write, be be stuck to not write something. However, the one that kept coming up today, among all levels of people, from the top people to the to crazy people, was Marner for Seth Jones. You know, and I'm not saying that that's that's you know that that's that that's any there's anything to that at all. I'm just saying that this was this was something that everybody and it's it's sort of an obvious thing to look to right away because you can see Seth Jones's names up there. This is what they could use in Toronto. Marner had just a horrible series. Kevin, thoughts on that kind of a trade? Yeah, I don't see that happening just because the difference, unless you were absolutely convinced that Seth Jones was going to sign with you. And I, I don't, I don't see him going to, you know, to Toronto to play. I, you know, I see him going to Colorado or, yeah. you know, staying in the States. So I, I don't I see mean, Columbus wants that kind of contract either. No, yeah. they don't, and they're going to be very, very careful because they traded for Lane and they got burned. Right. I mean, they lost that trade big time, so I don't see them rushing well, to trade Seth. I, I, well, you're right. You're right on that, Kareem. But in terms of Marner and Columbus, Russ, I think they would be interested because the money after he's paid a signing bonus this year. He's he's being paid league minimum, but then the money for the last I think three years of the contract goes down to around six million. So right. it's cap hit that's high, but okay. the money is low, and that's even more prevalent with Nylander. He's his money is around six million, but three and a half of that is signing bonus the last few years. So those contracts are movable. It's a question of with the Leafs is who who you get back in those deals and because neil because uh, marner's cap hit is 10.9 i don't think you're getting you're getting as much back for marner uh that you then you think even though he's a top five scorer whereas nealander his cap hit is 6.9 his money is less than that 
and he is coming off a good playoff. Right. You know, some people and some people in Toronto say, "Oh my God, you're trading the guy who scored the most goals in the playoffs." It's about what you get in return. You've got to change the chemistry of the core group because all they've done, and you've seen this in other situations and other teams and other sports, the, if the core group keeps losing, then it that that losing invades their DNA, and you've got to shake that up. Otherwise, it's just going to continue to perpetuate. You can yeah. really mess this up, Mike. I mean, you can rig, they could really mess this yes. up. Because they, they could, I mean, the, the reality is that they were one goal away from ending this in five, you know, and that's, that, that's, the, that's, that's something. So when you look at it that way, you're like, oh man, you know, we're going to, we're going to just <laughs> go crazy yeah. here. The last, I, I told this to Russ this morning, the last four years, first series against Boston, they lose Kadri to suspension. Second year against Boston, they lose Kadri to, to suspension. Uh, last year they lose Muzzin to injury. This year they lose Tavares and Muzzin to injury. It's all you know. It's almost like there's a there's a cloud over their head. There's always excuses, but honestly, in in two of those four series, they were the more talented team, and the talent didn't rise to the occasion. Well, what it's I not also always to... about the talent though. That, yeah. that's the problem. And the one thing I find that was a difficulty for the Leafs in this series as well was their supporting cast. You know, they went out and they got Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons and Nick Foligno, who missed part of the series because he was injured. But Thornton and um, Simmons didn't do much. They no. seemed to be on their last legs. And this is what Whereas I Eric like... Stahl didn't do anything in the season for Montreal, right. but seemed to have like elevated during the playoffs. As and Corey as... Perry was good all the way through. Yeah, but this is what I warned Mike when they signed those guys, that when you're signing this older talent, yeah. There's a point when they look old, and they did. And, and Simmons and, was out there. One sec, Mike. Simmons was out there with like I don't know, 12 minutes to go on a shift, and just trying for him, trying to get into the offensive zone was painful because he can't do that anymore. And that was a wasted shift, and they needed all the shifts they could get at the end of that game. And as and as I said, with the trade with Eric Stahl, when Eric Stahl was traded from Buffalo to Montreal, all that guy has done is in, in his entire career is beat the hell out of the Leafs. And in this series, he, he did nothing during the regular season, and he he factored in in a in a couple key goals at a key time. You know, I, I agree. Simmons didn't live up to the expectations. After he broke his wrist, he was not the same player. Thornton was slow all year. I think Thornton's going to retire. I, I thought that guys like Bogosian, uh, you know, stabilized their bottom pairing. So some of the veterans did perform, but it, it wasn't about the supporting cast. I mean, guys like McKayev and. Oh, well, see, I think it, it is. I, 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 I will bring Kevin into it with this. Yeah. Rather than loading up on those older guys. I was saying to Mike, Kevin, that I saw what the Rangers did with the 94 Rangers, and sometimes they made one too many trades, but they brought in as many winners as they could. Right, and yeah. I do think the Leafs need to bring in two or three guys with playoff success. You can bring in one star, right? If you want to trade Nylander for that one star that's got winning success, do that. And then the rest can be supporting cast. But if they have a history of winning, a lot of times they'll stop those things from happening in a tight locker room from happening. Kevin that's knows it from Detroit. Mitch Marner for Anze do you think that helps? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, that's an interesting thought about the because I've been fascinated all season, Echnosis, about what Bill Zito did in Florida because it's such a unique strategy in that he changed all of the role players and really altered the culture, in my opinion. Now, they didn't win the big series against Tampa Bay because I don't think they had the talent yet to match. But they were a much different team and much harder to play against um, by all those changes. And I have said that I really felt that's what Buffalo needs to do. Buffalo needs to wash yeah. out the bottom 10 players and trade all of them and bring in an entire new group and, um, and, to change the culture. And, yeah. and Kevin, it, it's like, you know, support players are important. And when you've got like a younger player, and we, Russ and I talked about this before the deadline, you know, they went out and got Nick Felino, and Nick Felino got hurt. And that unfor that's unfortunate because I think if a healthy Nick Felino would have had a much more. Yeah, I just don't uh, think he was ever fully healthy, even when they got him. Yeah, Russ, I think, like I said, I think he got hurt in like the third game. And, you know, it's like Doug Gilmore stepping on the ice and getting hurt in his first shift. Uh, when he was with Toronto back in 2004, you know, it's just, it's just like it, the, the gods are against him. But 
the, the you know, I was advocating them going out and getting depth players who were younger, who could crash and bang against a team like Montreal, a guy like Lawson Kraus from Arizona, somebody yeah. like that. And, you know, I think they two or three of those players. This is the problem. Last year they traded Mason Marchment, who – Kevin for Bill Zito and the Florida yeah. Panthers was crashing and banging and 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 making a havoc with Tampa Bay. They got him for Dennis Mulgan, who played about ten games with the Leafs, did nothing, went to the Swiss League. Those are the type of trades you keep the marchments because those guys are valuable soldiers. Whereas Dennis Mulgan is a depth guy for the Toronto Marlies. That's a misstep from a, for a guy like Kyle Dubas who hasn't made many missteps. And I, I'm just curious of what they're going to do this summer. I think they're going to continue to bring in the veteran guys who are with character, but I think they need to get some young guys who will crash and bang because they're just not, not enough. There's not enough sandpaper, not enough aggressiveness there to play playoff hockey. If you're not going to get that from Marner and Matthews. Now, can, I just out- say, though, can I just say, uh, it's one thing to bring in veterans, but you got to pick the ones you're bringing in. The Leafs yeah. brought Thornton and Simmons. What have they won in the NHL? Not That's much. Right. That's my say point. what you want. Say what you want about Bergevin, but this well, year he went out and got like six yeah. and a couple winners but that, see, but correct, which is good experience because you're talking yourself mike about the losing dna right. of the leafs but but give correct. them some winners then but correct yeah. the thing is and kevin when they brought those guys in they brought them in because they were hungry to win a stanley cup and they figured yeah. okay thornton hasn't won a cup simmons hasn't won a cup they're coming here to win a cup i think that motivation is just as much as somebody who has won a cup it can be it can be yeah it i mean be, I, but- I, I think you got to get a variety, you know. I yeah. mean, like you can't just get. I, I mean, that's what Bill Zito's done in Florida. You look at the, the guys he brought in; it's a combination of things. Yeah, you know, Vander yeah. Hagee was a skilled guy who didn't get an opportunity where he was. Um, you know, he he got some guys who would crash and bang. Um, he brought in Gudis to give the team more hitting. Um, you know, he just sort of addressed a variety of different issues, but he didn't do it with the core guys. He did it with. You know the the bottom ten, um, and what yeah. a difference does it make? It makes so. I you know with Toronto, uh, you know I thought it was a good good try with Thornton. I would have brought Thornton in. You know he was still mm-hmm. passing at a high level, and he could yeah. have done it. And, and as Mike said, you know he had hunger. He wanted to win. He saw that as an opportunity. I, you know I just think that was a a miss, but I don't fault him for that one. But I think they had probably too many of those guys too. Simmons on the downward side. Yeah, you know, I mean Simmons had a big effort, a big effect in, in like one game this year in Toronto. We remember talking about that, like he, yeah. you know, a big fight that he had earlier in the in when, in when Toronto needed it. But yeah, Simmons just can't. He's a power play guy, and in a game like last night where there's no power plays, for the most part, you know, there's a, just a couple of power plays. Is he's kind of a, kind of because doesn't doesn't really much matter for you. It doesn't. It's not going to help you at all. I mean, the, now the other the other rumor, Kevin, is 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 you know what it and and I, we have not heard yet that Dubis, you know, has been officially green lighted and he's he's back right like we we know i mean no one said he's not back but no one has come out and said they haven't made the statement yet that these are our guys they they, they haven't had their season ending media available right. Uh, right. but right. but shanahan just signed a new long term deal uh Dubas is not getting fired, and Keith is not getting fired. There's right, not, well, there, there may be changes in terms of the the coaching staff, like Dave Hackstall or Manny Malholtra, um, you know, to bring in other people that uh, you know that's that's possible because Hackstall was a was a holdover from Babcock's administration. They you know maybe as I don't know about the assistant GMs or anything like that. Those you know, but it, nobody big is going to get fired. But they are on a short leash now because I think if they fail again next year, then I think everybody could be out. That's yeah. why I think the changes well, to the roster are going to happen. Well, here the, the the other name is Rutherford, right? And Rutherford's out there, right? And he here's a great. I mean, he's the kind of guy who can who does he does build winners. And he comes. He's if he came into Toronto now, it's not that much different than when he came into Pittsburgh, basically. And uh, you know, Pittsburgh was closer, and he helped. Kevin, what are your thoughts on Rutherford in Toronto? Well, I I think he he would relish that uh, for sure. Um, yeah. And, but, you know, I've heard his name mentioned this week in both Arizona and uh, as director of hockey operations and Buffalo. So, right. There's a lot of that going around. Um, but I think he would prefer to, to take a team that's closer like Toronto if it was. But, but you know, saying all that, I, I agree with Mike. I, I don't see him making changes. Um, 
I don't uh, think they will either. But you know it, it, that, and and because they can use the pandemic as a year, as they can just everyone's going to be able to use that. Yeah. that that's like a common. That's and, and but it makes me kind of nuts because everyone's using that as an excuse. You know, it's like this is the pandemic year. Yeah. Um, but 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 Tavares is and and you know. Those are significant injuries. Those are real, real excuses. I get that. Yeah, but, but, but the yeah. Toronto, the Toronto team is the kind of team that Rutherford likes. Yes. Like, yeah. If you remember back when he yeah. took over that Pittsburgh team. Yeah. They he just he changed a bunch of guys and he yeah. just sort of changed the 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 you know the guys on the outside. Not as many as Bill Zito, but he changed a lot of them. No, that's why I think he would be fantastic in this spot. Like I think if I was if I was Toronto, I would seriously have to look at that right now. Yeah, because- but, the, but the but the problem here Ak, is that um, if you bring Rutherford in, you're undercutting Dubis, and I don't think Shanahan would do that. Is there anything wrong? I mean, listen. I mean, they handed Dubis, who's a very young young guy, the keys to a very old franchise. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and and I'm not saying that. Listen, and I'm not cu- cutting on Dubis on anything. He's on everything he's done. He's made some. He's made some pretty decent trades. I will cut on Keith, and I agree with what Russ you were texting me last night that Keith really got out coached last night. Yeah. And I really and I, and the one thing that in, the one thing I will say that really just made me nuts. Okay, <laughs> it was this was the journey of of Sandine, the, the defenseman in the series, right? Because <laughs> because it's like his journey was just coached horribly. Like he, it was to the point. So he, he missed, they, they, they scratch him for a game after he makes a big mistake. Right. And, and, and that's like a Toronto thing that they've done for years. And it really doesn't help you. I mean, it, especially it really makes those players less confident. And then last night in the biggest power play of their season, he's running the point. He's running the the center guy on the point. He just couldn't handle it. They kept putting the puck back to him. And every puck that he had on his stick was, 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 was botched. It was hand. Was mishandled. He was. He was making passes quickly. He just wasn't able to handle that. That maybe. Maybe Tavares is in that spot if he's healthy. Or whoever's at the. Or Martyrs at the center spot. But you can't have. You can't do what you did to Sandine and then then put him in that spot. Act. Their other option as a top power play point guy was Riley, who's logging twenty eight minutes a night, and who's who's been terrible as a point guy in the power play. Sandine, the one, I mean, he's not fully developed as a five-on-five defenseman, but the one thing that he can do that he did at the World Juniors, that he did with the Marlies, that he's done at points with the Leafs, is point the power play. Yeah, so, but in that power play, Mike, he was in over his head. Like, well, he, he he, was, I mean, because if, you, if you're running the power play where you have one point guy back there, you know, which is that they do, um, he can't, it, can, <clears throat> it can't be a guy that you scratched a game earlier because he made a mistake. Of the entire cavalcade of things that went wrong with the Maple Leafs in Game Seven yesterday, having having Rasmus Sandin point the power play in the third period is about tenth. I mean, right. there were other things like something that I thought <laughs> was a big power play. Is a pretty big power play. So the power play, but the bidding, but the bidding <laughs> of the third period that they didn't even get in the zone for the first minute. I mean, so, the yeah. blue for the entire series. Right. There was something that I had also messaged to somebody. At- I noticed that Nick Suzuki was beating Austin Matthews on offensive zone faceoffs, and I was like, "Wow, this is great for Suzuki, but a bad look for Austin Matthews too." And those yeah. things are important, and those things do add up. And so it wasn't all just about injuries. And I know Matthews has a banged up wrist. I mean, everybody's playing hurt, so we can't use that with everybody. But the Leafs, the problem is when they lost some of their key guys, like Colorado lost Kadri, right? They put Alex Newhook in there. We're like, okay, they're winning without Kadri. You do have to win without these guys too for a period of time. You do. Yeah, and about being out coaches, out coach, what you said earlier, uh, quite early on in the series, uh, Keith actually said, "I don't care who they put out against Matthews and Marner because my good guys can play against anyone." Right. And for the whole, for the whole series he just gave Deshaun the matchup he wanted and then he hide Matthews and Marner and perhaps he should have done it and then in games five and seven he started putting out Matthews after offensive zone or after icings so the matchups couldn't be against Deneau and he tried to shake him loose and even in that instance Matthews couldn't score so I mean that, that's what comes back to the inability of the core group to really to really step up whereas you know guys like Nathan McKinnon for for Colorado got, excuse me game one Boston Islanders uh, who scored a hat trick? Oh, gee, David Pasternak. Who scored the two goals to tie it in the third period? Oh, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. Some players come up and come and come through in clutch times. And so far, through five years of playoffs, the guys that you need to now Matthews has had good playoffs before, but this year especially against a team that they were heavily favored against, 
he came up short. Yeah, but well, by the time Keith made the, the adjustments and yeah. shielded him a little bit, the damage was done. The confidence was hurt. And, you know, if he'd started coaching like that from the start, it might have been a different story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just watching, you know, just watching the way Price, they, 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 on, on the CBC, they showed Price's reaction to the game-winning goals in game five and six when he was in goal. And it was really like business as usual. It, it was as if like they had just ended the morning skate. Like he he goes he, he turns back to his net, picks up the picks up the water bottle, puts his head back, drinks the water, and skates back. And then all these players arrive at him like screaming like Rah! you know because they because they had just won the games in five and six. Yeah, he said, "I spend my ten and a half million. But Price's reaction, I mean, that kind of calmness was such a stark contrast, and and well, just. You know, it was really, it was really just telling. Well, but Campbell's an emotional guy. Like I appreciated him post game. He was crying because he was like, "Man, you know, he yeah. took it hard." But he—it's I, I, not no going to kill his career. It won't. I have kill no his problem career. with that. It won't kill his career. Yeah. I think he's a tough guy. Campbell's been through a lot already. Honestly, yes, he has not. You know, he, he's not. He's not like he's been through it. He's he's had it where it looked like he wasn't going to make it in the NHL, and now here he is in the NHL on a you know. See, but this is this is what I appreciate about Jack Campbell. He owned. His, he, he owned the, the – he recognized the importance of that goal, and he yeah. said that was the worst goal of his career in Game 7. And that is something that te that teammates will – but he's covering for his teammates. It wasn't yeah. on him. That was the mo most important goal of that game. But the loss was not just on him. Well, the loss is not him. I mean, you didn't score until there was a minute left in the game. You know, it's like it's not the loss isn't on your goalie in that situation at all, right? You can't – but like Kevin said, that was – <laughs> that was a tough one. I mean, that that's a tough goal to give up. It reminds me of the uh, the old, the famous Claude Lemieux goal against Hextall years ago in in the Flyers Devil series. That was just like you know, it wasn't the reason the Flyers lost that series, but it was a just a tough goal to give up at a tough time. Well, wasn't it the Olympics that Tommy Salo like ducked and the puck went in high? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah no. Leaf, Leaf Nation thought it was over when Campbell gave up that goal. Like, you could just feel the, oh, yeah. the entire fan Not just the nation, the, play, the players as well. Yes, it, it, was, it, was, it was appropriate. Somebody tweeted <laughs> this last night. It's appropriate that 550 healthcare workers were in the uh, were in the Social Bank Arena last night because they all know the Heimlich maneuver. Don't go there. <laughs> well, what, the other what, is, what, what cracked what, me up about the fact that it was all, all um, health workers that they gave the tickets to is that they had – 550 tickets to give, and they couldn't even manage to give it, give them just to uh, Leafs fans. They still were Habs fans in there. There are Habs fans in there. Habs too, fans yeah. creep into every place, every arena in the league. Yeah. There are so many that come into Philly just for a regular season game. It's amazing. They're like termites, Kareem, but that Kevin has. <laughs> well, Kevin, I'm just going to add too, and we've talked about this before, but I thought it was really a sharp contrast last night. To watch it, you know, a game in an American arena where fans are allowed and then no fans. Like, yeah. would that a game seven been completely different? Well, the answer is yes, it would have been different. Um, been different yeah. yeah, it would have been. But the Canadians, they, they like to go to uh, other people's building and just ruin the party on game sevens. Yeah. In 2014 yeah, in Boston, fair. they won 3 1 as well. And yeah. they shut up that crowd. And here's the thing about me. that, Kevin. I thought about that too. And I, I thought, but here's the thing about that. It depends on the kind of energy in the building, and the kind of energy in that building would have been a nervous energy. Like if if if, if that building is full, and nervous energy just can feed into more nervous energy. So to yeah. me, that yeah, actually, I felt the I thought the energy was good. I saw a lot of these home videos for people who worked for the rink or people who were yeah. some of the healthcare workers, and everything looked good at the beginning before the game started. Yeah, people everything were up. They were upbeat. Up. I mean, uh, they should be upbeat. I mean, that was like yeah, know, that it was incredible. really. I mean, good. all the. I mean, the first time you're seeing hockey in over a year, it, 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 you be big game like that. I mean, it should be upbeat. But if it, it was just if, if COVID never existed and we're just in a full up building in that space right there, I think the Leaf fans may have played against them as much as they played for them. I I, I hearken back to 2013 uh, and the video that somebody shot from one of the Toronto condos of Maple Leaf Square when the Leafs are up four to one. Everybody's celebrating. The most people left. Maple Leaf Square when the score the score was four three because they knew that Boston was going to tie the game. <laughs> if if there were seven if there were nineteen thousand fans in Scotiabank Arena the same, the result would have been the same because as soon as Gallagher scored that goal I'll bet you there have been people that left the building. Well, we talked about this yesterday during the show, Kevin. That like when Mike was on here, we said you know that Leaf fans already think they're going to lose. 
before this game even began. Yeah. Um, so, so you're putting and, and the assu- the assumption was they were not not think, but the, we assume that this is going to go poorly. Um, yeah. Was more, which was which is you know the defense mechanism against you know right. everything that's happened in the past. And, and so Leaf fans when that first goal goes the, in, it's just like oh well, there it is. There it and is. And Leaf that's fans it. are going to lose the draft lottery too tomorrow. <laughs> they don't have a first. I know. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. The, the, it, it's just, I mean, it is fascinating, and I do want to get on um, for a little bit here. We just have a few minutes left. I think we should talk about Winnipeg while we Winnipeg Montreal while we have Corinne here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike a, yeah. a chance to move on to uh, to soothe his head for a second. You got to check out Mike's. <laughs> you got to ch- check out Mike's blog. Really good stuff. Really, Mike. Uh, excellent blog. I mean, honestly, really, just throughout the playoffs, incredible stuff. So, and same with the Ukraine. And just you guys are you guys are just stellar, both of you. It's an amazing it's an amazing combination for two amazing teams. So let's move on to Winnipeg and Montreal now. And um, it's hard. It's like it's it's we now know, by the way, that the that these are the since these are the two lowest lowest seeded teams, right, that are going to the next round. Um, that the one whoever wins this will play Colorado or Vegas, right? Like that's something that we now know, which is interesting. Oh yeah, um, that's gonna be easy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so um, so there, so whoever wins here, I might, you know, not you know what you wish for. Um, Colorado, you know, Colorado or Vegas is on your is on the horizon, and now we know that that's how this is setting up, which is kind of fascinating that we know that ahead. Now, of time where the now. game gets played. As far as the North American, the uh, the Canadian team, that'll be a whole thing too. Because I don't know if Winnipeg yeah. will open up if they win. Montreal will have fans. I I, I think uh, I think it will happen. It will open, up. It'll open up. The border won't be an issue either. Okay. They're they're kind of uh, negotiating about that right now. So okay. I'm pretty sure that's going to well, be that'll be, that'll be a great did thing. Mike just leave. <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> that's not Mike true. and Elvis have both left the building. Mike has left the building. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, you know the one thing I would say about uh, the Winnipeg's uh, uh, status in in this round is. If we all remember on Twitter in the middle of the season how many top writers who had you know kind of stepped in and watched Winnipeg for a while all had the same level um, of tweets that said you know don't sleep on Winnipeg that right. the team could be really surprised like I remember I remember seeing Mark Spector write that way uh, uh, got a couple of guys from the Hockey News there were a lot of guys I wrote that there were a lot of people who were um, really fascinated by the potential um, because they have the goaltending in Hellebuck and, you know, they have, they can have a really dynamic offense. So um, this Winnipeg team uh, is a, uh, is a, is a fascinating team. I think they get they're a tough team in the playoffs because they're big down the middle. They have a great yeah. goalie. They have good puck moving defensemen. And those are a lot of key ingredients you need to win. Yeah, and we talk I, about I have them in the playoffs as well because of Ellebach, mostly. Their defense can be suspect at times, but, no, but Ellebach makes up for that. They may not be strong defensively. Guys like Morrissey, they, they can move the puck. I think yeah. the, the key for them is, you know, we often talk about teams that are, are more ready for the playoffs than they are in the regular season. Uh, they have a player, and that's Shifley. Like, Shifley yeah, Shifley's he, a playoff player. Is built for the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that's his game, you know. And uh, you know that he's he's a big difference maker. Uh, I think in the postseason series because he's hard to move out of the front of the net. And you know, there's a lot of the wearing down. Like people always talk about, you know, you get hit so often, but wearing down also comes from pushing, uh, trying to move guys out of the way. Uh, yeah, he's, I still think Mark is, is he's the guy you got to try to move out of the way. Right. So. The uh, Mike lost his power in his house. He just texted us. Um, he did uh, from you know. From tough to worse, man. <laughs> Jello also today. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, I mean, so how did these teams play against each other in the regular in the regular seat in the regular season, Grin? Well, regular seasons was uh, three wins, three losses, and three OT losses for Montreal. But across those nine games, Price was only in four of them. Only in four of them. Only in four of them, and uh, it was in playoffs. Price, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> right, right. It, it's it's worth what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I do think that Montreal in the playoffs is a different animal altogether, especially once they start getting confidence going. We've seen this before. I mean, it was a few years ago when they had that crazy run um, when Briere was there. 2010 was just insane. That was quite funny, actually, because I still lived mm-hmm. in England at that point. So I was watching the game from midnight to 3 a.m. in the morning oh, and then fine. going to work at 6 in the morning all the way to... Ch- um, singing the song uh, Feels Like 93 from uh, a the guy from Montreal. That, I want to say... 
a year before that, maybe two, I did a, um, a feature on Halak for NHL.com. And um, I asked him what the biggest change was from the AHL to the NHL. And he said the food. <laughs> but I like uh, yeah, this quite a spring. But, that, but spring there's a year. The year, the year I'm talking about is, is it comes after that, which is when when you have um Tokarski and go. Remember the crazy that that crazy. No, run. that's 2014. And that's that the run that I that thought was big, that wasn't a that big of a run. We, we died well, in the conference final when the when Kreider uh, ran Price. Well, you that's got to the, the, the conference. That team wasn't supposed to go to the conference finals. I mean, that was that's that was the final four team. I mean, that's kind of. Toronto would be happy with that. <laughs> I was in a Canadian bar. I was in a Canadian bar. I had just gotten done covering the Memorial Cup. The Memorial <laughs> Cup was over, and I'm sitting in a bar watching that that Ranger Canadians game. And Kreider runs in into the goalie, and I was just like, "Oh man, I'm in a bad spot here." Because <laughs> yeah, you no, know, I can see this is a key point in the series here, and I can't even like even moderately look like I'm happy or anything. And I just stayed stoic. <laughs> this is, I felt it, bad, how funny is it though? Like how the difference between Canadians fans and, and Leaf fans? Um, Corinne is upset about that. She's that's not much of a run, you know. That that 2014, we only went to the conference finals. Well, like, because that's of like, previous history. But if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, that's like, oh, conference finals. That's like nothing, right? I know 2016 Stanley Cups or whatever, but still, like, come on, like they. Like, no, but, but I mean, I mean, like the, the best season they've had in the last 25 seasons is when they got to the conference finals. The I mean, that's is, like that's the thing is though, 2010 was a better run because they had to dismiss Pittsburgh and Washington. That was the top two seeds, and that's right. why that was a great run. Whereas in 2014, yeah. they played against Tampa Bay, and Bishop was the goalie back then, and he was injured. So they had like a backup goalie, so we swept them, but it's just like and then after that it was Ottawa. So it wasn't so heck, we should we are we gonna talk about the other game? Yes, let's talk about the other game. Let's talk about Buffalo and uh, Boston and the Islanders. Buffalo. Last night too. Boston, Buffalo. I know, I'm losing my mind. Sorry. <laughs> it's been a week. Um, Boston and the Islanders. Let's talk, let's talk about that. Uh, you know, again, another. Uh, I mean, these these teams are playing exciting games too. And then oh, and yeah. the Islanders. The Islanders. I mean, this is this is a bizarre because I have no concept who's better. If you if we have if we end up with like Boston versus Tampa in the next round, like I can't even I can't even. I still think Tampa is slightly better than the other two, but the other two can ratchet up their games to the point where they could beat them too. So it's close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, because you know both Boston and the Islanders have the ability to play stifling defense when they yeah. roll into that, and um, you know they neither have been able to do it against the, uh, each other, which is really kind of fascinating. Yeah. It is, isn't it? You know, but there's like a canceling out going on or something. Who 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 can explain? You remember how painful it was to watch the Islanders try to score a goal in the end of the regular season? Yeah, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, Yeah. and now they look like they got more than enough goals. I mean, Brock Nelson has played really, really well, and you know the fact that they're here and it's one-one, and Barzil, you know. Josh Bailey stepping up. You're right. Barzo's the least, but but again, they are trying to shut him down. The interesting thing is, I still look at the Islanders in net and still don't know what they're going to do next because yeah, it's not like Varlamov won him that game, and it's not well, like he lost him that game. And I don't think it's a matter. I I tell you right now, either goalie is going to give up three goals a game to the Boston Bruins with the offense they have. So it's just like. I don't know which is the better goalie. I don't know if they're going to keep rotating them. That's the crazy part, but it could be an advantage because I don't think Boston knows either. (laughs) Here's my thinking on this and why, I mean, I think that that Sorokin would be the guy for this series. Not, I mean, obviously I like Sorokin. I've been about Sorokin all year, but I'm going to go back to actually going to go back to 2010 here. Um, Halak. Halak Mm -hmm. wins those first two series against the Penguins and the Capitals and then plays Philly. And and I'm at that Flyers series. I'm covering that Flyers series in Philly. And the Flyers say Halak is, is a smaller goalie, and we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna get in his face and make him crazy. That the, for some reason the Penguins, the Penguins and Caps were so skilled they just didn't crash the net. We're gonna crash the net, and that's what they do. They crash the net, and that they eventually get to Halak, and they they win that series. The when I see the two goalies, Sorokin um, feels a lot bigger in goal than than Varlamov does. Varlamov feels smaller to me in goal. I don't know that's their size difference. I think for a lot of smaller. I don't think he feels smaller. I mean, Sorokin's faster post to post. You saw that on the coil goal, but then Varlamov does come up big in big moments where I don't know if Sorokin has done that enough yet in all series, in all of his games. So 
I've seen. I, I mean, it's, there it's, aren't that many goals. If you look at Sorokin's goals, they've been giving up this year. The, crashing the net has not really worked on Sorokin as much as it does on Barlamo. I'm um, sorry, guys. I gotta go. I got okay. something else right, with the job. So see you next time. Thanks, for having me. Thanks. Sorry, Karen. Uh, to answer Joe Morello, I've already said three or four positive things about the Islanders, but listen to what you want to hear, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I just I think that the Bruins are a team that they do crash the net. They are a crash the net team. No two ways about it. Do you agree? I mean, that's they. Yes, they, they are. Yeah, I mean, they have guys that certainly go hard to the net too. But um, uh, you know, to, to what I noted yesterday is that you know people can complain all they want about Marshan, but boy, when they need him. He's there, and he's you know yeah. he's playing hard, and you know they can score goals from well out. Um, yeah, that Marshawn goal was yeah. far away. You're right about that. These are two old school style NHL teams. Um, it really is. It's uh, fun. You know, I like the series. I think could be fun. This could go seven games, uh, and I just I, I don't know how you even explain how poorly they the Islanders played down the stretch. <laughs> look like the same team. You can't. That uh, I mean, we saw in last year's playoffs. I mean, yeah. this is the way they looked. Yeah, they just okay. found their they found their game. I mean, it is very much like two old school teams, which is what is fascinating about this because about the divisions being played the way they've been played this year is you really have seen a character in each of these divisions that's different from the other divisions. Like, and and this division has its own character too. It's not just these two teams. You know, like you know, the other teams in this division played this way as well. Um, but you know, and that's where, you know, the central has its own style for sure. The West has its own style for sure. I think that, um, yeah, I love, I love this series and I love to see, you know, the way these two teams play. This is the kind of hockey I grew up on. You know, this is like Patrick division hockey to me, you know, this is like, yeah. this is like, this is, and it's exceptional coaching too. Um, yes. You know, yeah. I, you know, I remember covering the Boston Carolina series a couple of years ago and, I, I remember just writing what a, a joy it was to listen to both Brenda Moore and Cassidy talk about. Yeah, the that's then you're right about that. And and they're so. Yeah. Uh, first of all, they're both honest. They talk about yeah. their teams like they're not afraid to say publicly that oh, my team is not playing well, or I think we're you know we can be better on this end. Um, but also just their their gamesmanship uh, during yeah. the game, and I like how they did well. That's how I feel about Trotz versus Cassidy as well. Like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I, uh, they both pull the levers as well as anyone in the league. So they really do, and 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 they just and they, their teams, their teams give it up. You know, they, their teams give up what they have to give up. They leave it all on the ice. They, it, when you watch these games, they're leaving it all on the ice. There's no question about it. There's no, it, it, these both these teams are so much physically tougher. Watching these, watching back to back, like watching Montreal, Toronto, and then watching this game last night, you know, because I went to this game after the Montreal, Toronto game was over. The difference was striking. Like the physical, the physicality yeah. and the physical toughness of these teams and just the like old school hockeyness of that, of this series versus that series was just was mar remarkable. I'll like, tell you the one change. And, and look, the Islanders did a good job on Pasternak because anytime he got the puck, they were lifting his stick. So they, they made it very hard for him to get shots on that, especially in the lane where he likes to go. So, they did a good job on that. I think Boston will take Lawson out, and it's just a matter of are they going to go with Ternorty or are they going to go mm. with a better skater like Vakanainen? I think yeah. that'll be like the decision they make on that. But Lawson's been sort of hurting them on these kind of, you know, look, bad pass, bad play. It happens, but he's had it happen a bunch of times. So I'm pretty sure that's what they're going to do to sort of like tighten it up. And then yeah. the Islanders probably will keep everything the same except – I don't know. Do you, I guess you have to keep the goalie the same. Eck. I don't think you can bring in Sorokin simply because you won the game. So, Trotz, I think Trotz, I don't think cares about much as far as goalies go. He, I think he will. He'll go with whoever he thinks is hot. He does, and 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 he doesn't mind. He obviously is comfortable with both of them. It's obvious to him that you know Varlamov is like a Vesna candidate trophy this Vesna candidate this year. Varlamov is Sorokin was. A call, you know, could be it could be like you know could win the con Smythe for the uh, whatever you know for the first round of the playoff. It was just amazing. This thing plays out just it's so he can go either way. You know, it yeah. doesn't really matter. I, it really could go either way. I, I think uh, Trotz relies on Mitch Corn, his goaltending coach, too. Yeah. To yes. Advise him. I mean, very much so. Corn is point. considered a, you know a quality um, goaltender coach, and he does a good job there. Yeah. I mean, you know, both teams have the goaltending. Both teams the uh, I, I mean, Boston's offense is better, certainly, than yeah. um, the Islanders. But, boy, you know, this could be a really fascinating series. I mean, but, uh, the Islanders, after giving up that tying goal, should have wilted. 
Yeah. But they don't. They don't. <laughs> you know. They, no, you know, they don't. They they haven't all year. Uh, I've seen this uh, before. The Islanders have that Devils, New Jersey, De- old New Jersey Devils thing in them. You know, right. that's just that, that. Very much is like, yeah, it doesn't. You know, like yes. Actually, Varlamov um, was not in the uh, the Vezina. It's 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 Flurry, Grubauer, and Vasilevsky. Right, right. But he could have been. He could have been. I mean, he really could have been. been. He could have been. He had the seven I mean, shutouts. I don't know if we the, should vote on it because we have Kevin here uh, on who we think should win the Vezina. Should we do that? <laughs> yeah, who, who do we have? We got uh, Fleury. Uh, Fleury, Vasilevsky, Grubauer. I'll tell you, I'll go first. I think it's Grubauer. He, I think he had seven losses this year. He had a 922 in the regular season. Now, you don't vote in the playoffs, but voters are watching the playoffs, and he's got a 941 in the playoffs. I, I just think he's had that kind of year where I it's really hard for me to vote against him. And I all of them are great. They're all great. But I would give it to Guru Rebecca. Yeah. I'd probably lean to, to the flurry, I would say, but I I'd think about Grubar. I'd actually have to think about this one. This was a tight yeah. uh, vote. Um it is a tight vote. But Flurry, you know, given the circumstances of that, he, you know, they didn't even want yeah. him. And that to me, Flurry's the guy. I mean, there, there were, you know, Vasilevsky actually struggled at points during the season, which is kind of surprising. You know, he was there were yeah. points towards the, towards the end of the season where he was really not playing well at all. Um, but you know, he's. I think he's the. I think he might be the best goalie, but he's just he was struggling at that point. But Flurry, what Flurry did this year is just so remarkable. It's just it, it is. But again, I think, and I said this on serious. I think everybody's opinion of Grubauer is still the guy who got pulled after game one and during game one with the Washington Capitals, and he is no longer that goalie. He is yeah. a lot better than that. He's got a better defense in front of him. He is a better goalie yeah. than he was then. Well, Sackick has been right about Grubauer. Um, he has. Yeah. You know, everybody keeps telling him he needs a goalie. <laughs> and um, uh, and I, I, I think people – I don't know that they look specifically toward that game because I don't think people's – Memories are that good, um, but I do think they see see him still as unproven, and I mm-hmm. think he's, you know, proved that he can be the the number one guy in Colorado uh, yeah. for sure. So, and that's been part of it. Like right now, it feels, and I just wrote this column and posted it about for, on Hockey Buzz, but um, it feels like the Avalanche are never going to lose another game. I mean, you know, that's clearly a silly suggestion. But they, right now, they got it all going. I mean, just yeah. just think about it. They got Nathan McKinnon, who's playing like a true superstar. They get Kale McCarr, who you know he's got seven points. It feels like he's in on every goal, though. Yeah, he really um, does feel that way. Yeah, and they have this air of invincibility. Um, you know, like the, their confidence level is so high. They're, they've outscored the opposition. I think it's like twenty-seven to eight. Like they've got everything going. And then you look at the all the moves that that uh, Sackick has made in terms of he brought in Brandon Saad, Devin Taves. Um, they've given uh, Ryan Graves more um, duties in the postseason, and he's just been terrific. Um, think yeah. about how Jared Bednar got dumped on in his first year, yeah, and, and what where he's been the last two years, yeah. So you know, it just just everything, and and Grubauer is is you know again up even at this trade deadline, there were people writing yep. and suggesting in the fan base, oh they got to get a goalie, you know. And he's got the highest save percentage of the playoffs, nine forty one. Yeah. So for you for you gamblers out there, Kevin, we talked about this yesterday. We're going to get out of here after I say this because this, we'll end this list. But this is here's a thought. Um, something I've always tracked very closely: when a team wins by more than five goals in a playoff series. In a game, they tend to lose the next game seventy-five percent of the time. So we're all sitting here saying Colorado's unbeatable. <laughs> tonight yeah. is, is the tonight the hockey thing would be yeah. for Vegas to win tonight. Well, and they're playing a good team too. I mean, they're five. Yeah, yeah. it's not the, like they're top liver. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So this would be the this. I mean, that doesn't mean Vegas is going to win the series. It just means that that game right after you get blown out in the playoff yeah, series yeah. tends to tends to go the opposite direction. Well, of the time. Well, you Colorado were right about the Leafs last night, Eck. I'll say that. Colorado <laughs> was the favorite in September, and their favorite now. But in September, they were plus 800, and I think they're like plus 112 now. Yeah. Like almost even. Uh, so. it, yeah, Although the Canadians' odds went down to like plus 1,300 now. I got an email on it. it, went, it <laughs> well, like here's, here's what's totally bizarre. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes, and I'm not a better, but 
you know, I've had to write, I've been writing. Uh, right. Yeah. But uh, there's a, uh, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are still at plus 1,300. Yeah. Uh, which wow. is really remarkable to me. So Is that just because no one is betting them? I think that has something to do with it. You know, they're not a team with uh, – like there is a factor to betting yeah. that you have to factor in. That there's always going to be a lot of betting on the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. The Vegas teams always get a lot of betting. Right. So, like, you know uh, – uh, so, like the, the Las Vegas could have lost a lot of money had the Vegas won the Stanley Cup because there right. was an inordinate amount of betting. On that. I wonder if Carolina goes down 0-2 if that starts to change, though. So yeah, we'll see. Really, really interesting. All right, guys, thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us. Um, thanks for Mike and and Corinne who had to drop off, but um, we'll be back again tomorrow. Remember, folks, without the buzz, it is just hockey, and I have to end the show because I'm Mike's not here. So. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.